0: about travel. The first of those things is that we learned the value of having what we call a passport. Now, a passport is that legal official document that verifies your identity and your citizenship, and it guarantees and, and allows you to have safe passage and travel from one country to another, especially your own home country. And, uh, we also know that if we're going to be traveling internationally, that we can't go without it because they won't let you on the plane without one of these. And uh, we also learned from examining God's word in Romans 8, and that's the passage that we've been studying, that if we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, then we actually have a permanent passport as citizens of heaven. That, that means that we have permanent, non-expiring citizenship in heaven, And in fact, that's why a couple of weeks ago, we all had uh, one of these passports that was actually in our worship folders. And together, we filled out the name and the expiration date on this passport. And in the expiration date, we wrote the word never. And that signifies that our passport never expires when we're talking about our citizenship in, in heaven. And if you weren't here a couple weeks ago, you want to get one of these for yourself. I know we still have a couple in the back. Um, You can go ahead and and take that with you. If you have held on to your passport, then I hope it's been an encouragement to you of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And uh, if you lost your passport, then remember you can't actually lose your real passport as a citizen of heaven. And and last week we also learned that uh, flying... Our plane rides are not always fun. Because sometimes we have to sit in what we call coach class. In fact, most people have to sit in what they call coach class. And you may have to sit in that dreaded middle seat where you've got no room. And this flight in that middle seat can feel like an eternity. But we know, realistically, that no flight really lasts forever. And no flight really is long compared to the rest of our lives. And in fact, once we get where we're going, we forget all about that flight. And in the same way, when it comes to our lives, nothing that we endure in this life compares to where we're going. Because we know that even though that life is hard, we have ultimate hope. We have hope because of what Jesus has done. It's not because of the creature comforts of this life. It's because what Jesus did in dying for us in our place on the cross taking on the punishment we, that we deserved and allowing us and securing for us a future forever in heaven and because of what he's done if we put our trust in him we get our permanent passport and that gives us security acceptance and ultimate hope even though sometimes we have to ride in coach class in this life now Rightly understood, the entire eighth chapter of Romans is talking about life as a follower of Christ, and specifically, it's talking about the presence, the continual presence, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And this morning, we're going to shift our focus to a specific ministry, a specific benefit of the Holy Spirit, one that is actually very practical, one that you can go out today and do. One that you can practice this week. It's actionable. Something that if you do, I guarantee will change your life. And it may just change the world. And to set the stage for that, let's return to our flight plan analogy. Now, we've talked through a couple of these issues about flying. We we said that don't forget your passport. We've also said you may have to sit in an uncomfortable middle seat in in coach class. But that's okay. We're going to go ahead and go on our trip anyway. And we're going to go to the airport and we're going to get, get to the, uh, the uh, airline desk, and we're going to check in for our flight. And then, of course, we're going to have to go through security. And wouldn't you know it? But we get randomly selected for a pat-down and for a complimentary show as we watch a TSA agent unpack all of our belongings right in front of us because they selected our bag to be inspected. And, of course, we all pack our bags with this in mind, don't we? we think to ourselves, I wonder if the whole world is going to get to see what I packed in that bag. Because there's probably nothing that we put in there that might embarrass us in any way. Because we get to see them all taken out. All taken out. And then finally, when the TSA agent is done, they say, okay, you're good to go. But we're a little backed up here, so you don't mind repacking this yourself, do you? Gee, thanks a lot. And now... We're gonna to have to sprint to the gate to make our flight. By the way, how many folks have actually lost something going through the security process? Anybody? Okay, we got a few people. We got some honest people in this service, and that's great because I'll tell you that between security and those uh, the things that you leave in the seat pocket in front of you, because you know you you, you you're not yourself when you've been up for more than twenty four hours. I've lost a mouse pad. I've lost a projector pointer. And I've lost several books. I admit it. So now you make it to your gate. And wouldn't you know it, but they're already boarding. In fact, they're already boarding all rows. And so once you get up to the gate agent and show them your ticket, they look at your bag and they say, Sir or ma'am, I'm sorry, but there's no room left on this flight for your bag. We're going to have to check it to your final destination. Uh Uh-oh. You can see it coming, can't you? Because you're about to be parted with your bag. Goodbye, bag. (laughs) Or should I say, farewell? (laughs) Because now we're worried that we're never going to see that bag ever again. And now we begin to worry about what was in that bag. What did we pack in that bag? Was it important? Am I going to need it? Did I forget something that I really need to have with me? Is it going to get damaged? Is it going to get stolen? Or is it ever going to make it to my final destination in the same time and space continuum that I'm actually there? And uh, so now you get on the flight. And not only are you feeling very uncomfortable in that middle seat, but now you're just anxious and preoccupied because you don't have all your stuff with you. And then finally you land And I don't know about you, but after I land, that's when I check to make sure I don't leave anything in those seat back uh, back pockets in front of me because I just lost some of my stuff. They took it away from me. I don't want to lose anything more. And then you you go out through the airport and then you pass that point where it says no reentry beyond this point. And so then you you check your pockets to make sure you've got everything there too. Your wallet, your ID, your passport, your cell phone. Okay, I, I admit it. I'm a classically left brained person with some serious obsessive compulsive tendencies. But it's not without reason. Because, in in all fairness, and in my defense, you know what's coming next, don't you? You see, your next stop is that infamous baggage carousel. And you get there, and and you wait. And you wait. And you wait. And then finally the buzzer sounds and the machine starts up. And after a few moments, bags start to spit out onto the conveyor belt. And so you wait with eager anticipation, waiting for your bag to get coughed up by this machine. But all these bags come out, you don't see yours yet, and that's okay, it's okay. Well, maybe my bag was the last one off the trailer tram, okay? So nothing to worry about until you hear this kafunk. And it's this big rubber block with a sign on it that says, Last bag. And guess what? Yours wasn't that last bag. So now you're without your bag. And you have to go to the airline and fill out a claim. And you have to wait. And they assure you that they're going to deliver it to you. And uh, I'll tell you that sometimes when you have a meeting the next day, you have to hedge your bets on whether or not you're going to see that bag before that meeting. And sometimes the last flight in is, uh, <laughs> is the last flight in and, and you don't have any options. So you make a beeline for JCPenney to get clothes that are acceptable for that meeting. Otherwise, you're just going to go as you are. <laughs> They're just going to have to accept me as I am and I'm going to have a story. These pants actually are, are purchased just like that. I just have to admit that. So, um... <laughs> and uh, you have to forgive my distrust of the airline's ability to handle baggage. But you see, over the years, their batting average, at least with me, has been really impressive if we're talking about something going wrong. Over the years, there have been several trips where my bags, they've been reluctant to join me. There was once a trip where my wife and I, we were on a trip and we received half of our bag because when it came and got actually coughed out up by the, the baggage carousel, half of it had been sheared, clean off along with all the you know, the valuables that were in that bag. So great, we got half a bag. But our favorite, our favorite by far, was a, a trip that we took to eastern Canada. And when we returned here to Walla Walla, our suitcases didn't join us for, for 10 days. You see, unbeknownst to us, our suitcases had decided that they were going to take an Alaskan cruise without us. Because about a week after we arrived... We get a call from the cruise line agent, not the airline agent, but the cruise line agent in Ketchikan, Alaska, and they said, I think we found your bags. <laughs> and you see, getting your bag lost is one thing. You can maybe get through that issue, but what if you left in that bag, or what if along the way, it wasn't your clothes or your you know, sundry items that got lost, but it was your money, like your credit cards. Or your checkbook. Or your cash. That, that's worse than losing your passport. And maybe you didn't forget those things. Maybe the, the airline didn't misplace those things. Maybe they got stolen. Or let's face it, maybe you got on the plane without realizing that you didn't have any money actually in your bank account. And when you get to the ATM, you're trying to make a withdrawal. Instead of getting cash dispensed from the machine, you get a slip that says, transaction denied. Your account has insufficient funds for this transaction. Now, many, many years ago, uh, on a trip to, to eastern Canada, we had a wallet that was stolen along the way. And our bank was extremely helpful, actually, because once they got the call from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, otherwise known as the RCMP or the Mounties, is probably what you're most familiar with, They shut off all of our accounts, every last one. You see, they were proud of themselves. They had helped solve the mystery. They had helped find the culprits who took our stuff because they had left a financial breadcrumb trail all the way from the jewelry store to a shopping mall and then to the movie theater. And so our bank decided, well, we'll we'll go ahead and we'll send you, we'll FedEx you uh, uh, replacement bank cards and credit cards and you'll get them in only 2 business days. The only problem was because we're in Canada, FedEx required an additional day for uh, customs handling. But not only that, and this is a word of why, the why to the wise to you that in Canada FedEx doesn't work on Saturday or Sunday or on those Canadian holidays that you didn't even know existed. So, being holed up in this tiny old little house with two screaming toddlers in what seemed like 40 days and 40 nights of pouring rain, when you already had reservations to go and see beautiful Cape Breton Island for the first time ever, and knowing that you can't because you have no money, you can't even get in the car, you can't even fuel up your car, well, it can make parts in your brain that you didn't even know about just snap in two. And sometimes those things, they lead us to excessive worry and anxiety and even fear. Whether we are traveling or not, we wonder, will I get declined? You know, I believe that this is a fear that has led a lot of people not to take that trip they've always wanted to take. Or maybe it stops them from taking advantage of an investment or an opportunity that they know they should be involved in, but they're afraid. And if they're traveling there, they're wondering those same questions that I was talking about. Will my bags get there? Will they get stolen? What if my wallet gets stolen? What if I make it there and they tell me non sufficient funds? NSF. You know, in our spiritual lives, we sometimes experience this same concern or fear. We feel like we might be writing a check that's going to bounce, we feel like we're not protected. Like something's going to happen and we're going to have non-sufficient funds. And this shows up most often in our prayer life. We often wonder if our prayers are effective or are they not. We wonder if we know enough. Or are we good enough to pray? We worry that we'll pray for the wrong things. That maybe God won't listen to us because, well, I probably am praying for selfish things, things for me. Or maybe he won't answer because I just didn't know the right way to pray. Or maybe, you know, I would pray if I knew what to pray in the first place. Now, if this is you, you're certainly not alone. All of us struggle with prayer. Even those we look up to as spiritual giants have struggled and are struggling to pray. And we're going to hear this morning from a spiritual giant who also shared and admitted this own struggle in his own life. Our text this morning, it comes from Romans chapter 8. So if you want to grab your uh, copy of uh, God's Word, whether that's on your favorite device or in hard copy form, go ahead and turn with me to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to be reading verses 26 and 27. That's only two verses this morning. And again, that's Romans chapter 8. Verses 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Now, Paul, he's the the one who's writing, the Apostle Paul, he was a spiritual giant. And most of us, I dare say, would like to be half of the person that he was when it came to prayer. Yet he also struggled with prayer. And struggling with prayer was on his mind, so much so that he writes about it to his fellow Christ followers in Rome. And he knew that they would be struggling with this too. Now, in the preceding verses, he's talking about suffering. And he's talking about suffering in this life, but how that doesn't compare to what God has prepared for us in heaven and what's in store for us forever. So he's trying to encourage the people he's writing to, he's trying to give them encouragement. And what better way to do that than to talk about prayer? Because, you see, prayer is the way that we communicate from this physical world in the here and now and what we see to the spiritual world that's perfect, that lasts forever, where God lives, the same God that we hope to see when we get to the end of our flight plan. But let's face it. For many, prayer is a wet blanket on our fire. I mean, what are we supposed to pray? How are we supposed to pray? Are we getting it right? Are we good enough to pray? Is God even listening? Many of us have doubts about prayer. Maybe we've been trying prayer, but it doesn't seem to be working. Maybe we've been asking, well, if it does work, then why doesn't God answer? Or why? Why? Why is it taking him so long? Does he even hear me? Or am I doing something wrong? Maybe our doubt about prayer has to do with our perspective and what we believe. Maybe we think to ourselves, well, God's plan and God's will is going to be accomplished no matter if I pray or not. No matter what I do, what God wants to happen is going to happen. So why bother praying? Because, you know, for some, prayer is just a, a placebo, It's just a spiritual ritual that was designed to make us feel better. But Paul tells us that prayer is important. In fact, it's the first thing that he tells us to do in light of the suffering in this world. It's the thing that he urges us to do in light of what we have to look forward to in our future as citizens of heaven. And in fact, it's what he assumes that we will be doing because we follow Jesus Christ. But he adds an important point, something that we really need to know, and something that really should be an encouragement to us is that when we pray, we have a powerful ally. We have the Holy Spirit. And so, for your notes this morning, the big idea is that if we step out in faith and we pray, the Holy Spirit has us covered. That if we step out in faith and we pray, the Holy Spirit has us covered. In other words, when it comes to our prayer lives, we have overdraft protection. Only this overdraft or trip protection or however you want to view it, it costs us nothing. There are no fees, hidden or otherwise. And Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit, meaning God himself, is right there with us when we pray. He's praying with us. And he's praying for us. Now, in the original Greek text, Paul uses an interesting compound word. It's uh, in verse 26. And in the Greek, it's sunanti lambanatai. Sunanti lambanatai. Now, that's a mouthful. And that'll be on the test. No, I'm I'm just kidding. But what that word means, just to, you know, allay your fears, you don't have to understand Greek, is that when we pray, then the Holy Spirit automatically joins in with us. That means that when we pray, the Holy Spirit automatically joins in with us. Now, Paul writes that in our weakness, He is there. When we don't know what we ought to pray for, He is there, and He's praying the perfect prayer for us. God searches the very depths of our souls, and He knows exactly what we want. He knows our hopes and our dreams. He knows our desires. And in fact, He knows what we want more than we know what we want. But He also knows God's will. He knows His plans for our lives. And he knows what's best for us, even when we don't. Even when we don't know what's best for us. And on that note, this is the first point in your notes under the takeaway application. And that is that God's plans will be accomplished. God's plans will be accomplished. Paul reminds us in verse 27 that the Spirit intercedes for us in accordance with God's will. Now, let's face it. When we pray, we pray for our own will. We pray for what we want and what we desire. And that's not all bad because we're praying what we think is best for us. We we pray what we think is best for other people. We, We may even pray for what we think is best for our church. We may pray for what we think is best for God's plans on this earth. And we want answers. That's natural. But in the end, God's will prevails. God tells us in Isaiah 14.24, Surely as I have planned, so it will be. And as I have purposed, so it will stand. The Bible tells us also in Acts 4.28 that when it comes to God's will, even historically speaking, Jesus' enemies couldn't help but do what the power and will of God had already decided beforehand should happen. So for some, that begs the question, then why pray? Why pray? If what God wants to happen is going to happen no matter what, then why should I bother praying? Because the answer is that prayer does make a difference. And prayer changes things. God's Word attests to that over and over and over again. And in fact, in Psalm 106.23, the Bible tells us that had Moses not stood before God and prayed on behalf of his people to God, that God may not have spared his people when they turned their backs on him. But because Moses did pray, God spared his people. And not only that, his people became a legacy that has culminated in the birth of, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So in a way, it should comfort us knowing that God's plans will be accomplished. And I can tell you why. It's because when we know that, we know that God answers 100% of our prayers. Now sometimes, the answer is an immediate yes. But there are other times when that yes is delayed. Sometimes for a very, very long time. And still other times the answer is no. But 100% of the time, God is doing what he knows is best for us. I know I'm skipping ahead to next week's passage, but in the very next verse, in verse 28, it tells us so. God tells us that he works in all things for our good. In all things, God works for our good. We know that big things happen when we are in alignment with God's will. And guess what? If you pray in faith and with the right intentions, you're in alignment with God's will. And we can pray with confidence then. That brings us to the next point because we can pray confidently knowing that God has our back. We can pray confidently, knowing that God has our back. Now, the passage tells us this morning that God Himself prays with us whenever we pray. He's got our backs. Now, turn to the person next to you and say, I've got your back. You know, God has your back, He's got your back. Now, whenever we want to pray, sometimes we have something big we want to pray for. We'll ask somebody else to pray with us or pray for us. We may ask a spiritual giant in our life, somebody that we look up to, will you pray for me? You know, if it's important enough, we might ask if the pastor could pray for us. Because maybe, just maybe, if the pastor prays for us, then God will answer. But you know what? Why stop there? Why not go national? Let's see if we can get somebody like Andy Stanley or Billy Graham to pray for us. Because maybe if they pray, God will answer. Hey, but why stop there? Let's go international. Hey, let's see if we can get Bono to pray for us. You know, the guy from the rock band U2? Hey, I know he's not a pastor, but I've I've heard that he believes in God and he's done a lot of great things for people around the world. And so when he speaks, people listen. So maybe if he speaks to God, God will listen. But why stop there? We're talking about flight plans. We're talking about Romans. Let's get on a flight. Let's go to Rome. Let's go visit the Vatican City and see if the Pope will pray for us. Because after all, isn't he the vicar of Christ on the earth? I mean, if there's anybody that God would listen to on the earth, it's got to be the Pope. You see, when, when it comes to our prayer lives, we want all the muscle power that we can get. Because we see ourselves as weak. We see ourselves as unworthy to pray. And guess what? We are. The passage says so, but it says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. That means that we don't need the Pope, we don't need Bono, and we don't need the pastor to pray for us. Although, I mean, if those things happen, you know, that's great. But we already have all the muscle power that we'll ever need and ever want We have God himself praying for us. So if you're worried that you don't have the power to pray, think again. You have all the power you could ever want. If you're worried about not knowing the right things to pray, then think again because you have all the wisdom that you'll ever need praying for you. And if you're worried that you're not worthy enough and you don't deserve to pray and have your prayers answered, then think again because you have the perfect, spotless one, the one and only who is worthy, praying for you, praying right beside you. And if there's anyone that God will listen to, it's himself. And he's praying for you and he's got your back. So now we can pray confidently and we can make that practical too because when we don't know what to pray, pray anyway. When we don't know what to pray, pray anyway. It doesn't matter if we know what to pray or not. Paul reminds us that we don't always know what we ought to pray for. We may not know how. And, and we may not know how or what to pray even when we think we do. But pray anyway. Remember, the Holy Spirit is right there with us praying for us. And when we don't know what to pray, He does. And when we don't want to pray, pray anyway. When we don't want to pray, let's pray anyway. Sometimes we don't want to pray. You know, there are times in our lives when we struggle to pray because we've lost hope or we've lost faith. Sometimes that's because of those struggles that we're experiencing in the proverbial coach class of this life. And sometimes those struggles, they can paralyze us and numb us. You know, we know we ought to pray. We may even have an idea of what we ought to be praying for but we don't want to. We don't want to because in our pain and in our darkest hour, we know that if we were to pray, all that would come out would be pain, just groaning and tears. But Paul tells us that not only does the Holy Spirit pray with us and for us, but that he's also experiencing that pain with us. When we hurt, he hurts He loves us. And when we hurt, he is uttering groans that are inexpressible. You see, he's with us all the way, even when we hurt, even in our darkest hours. So when we don't want to pray, let's pray anyway. And when we're afraid to pray for the wrong things, pray anyway. When we're afraid to pray for the wrong things, pray anyway. I've got news for you. Unless you're sitting here and you're God, then from time to time, you're going to pray the wrong things. That's what the passage is telling us. We don't always know what we ought to pray for. But He does. And He's right there, praying with us and praying for us. So don't let the fear of praying for the wrong thing stop you from praying. It's not a sin to pray for the wrong things. The sin is not to pray at all. Now, my father, he once told me a story. It was a story about his mother, my grandmother. And one night, she gathered him and his brother and his two sisters together in the front living room. To pray they were going to pray for her husband their father my grandpa my grandpa you see he was a mechanic and he worked in a shop outside of town and being a mechanic meant that sometimes well to get the job done and get it done right you had to work long hours sometimes that meant you had to be home late and this was one of those nights when he was not home and it was late But in her soul, she knew that that wasn't it. It wasn't because he was finishing a job. Something was wrong. Terribly wrong. And she was frantic. And so, with tears streaming down her face and all the kids now praying with her and crying themselves now because she got them all worked up too, they began to pray for the safety of her husband, my grandpa. And When the words stopped coming to her and the crying just kind of took over, she started saying the only words that came to her mind, Jesus, in your name, in your name, in your name, Lord. And she kept on repeating it over and over. You see, about that time on that night, my grandpa had run his car off the road. And he'd been thrown From his car into a storm ditch. And on the side of this quiet, otherwise untraveled county road, he laid there bloody and unconscious in a storm ditch. But about the time when my grandmother started praying that evening in the living room, an unlikely thing happened. Headlights emerged on that quiet county road in Tulare County, headlights that belonged to a perfect stranger who saw the accident and stopped and found him in the ditch and pulled him out and gathered him up and put him in his car and rushed him to the hospital. My grandpa is 95 and he's alive today. Prayer changes things and it changes things because God himself, he prays with us and he prays for us. He's our overdraft protection. He has us covered. And he's got our backs. So as we conclude this morning, let me ask you this question. How does knowing that God himself is praying with you and praying for you change the way that you think about prayer? Now I told you that this is something that if you do, you could start doing today. You could start doing this week. And it's practical. It's something that you can take action on today. And if you do, it could change things. It could change your life. It could change this world. But we can make that very practical this morning. And we've got a way to help you do that. You see, we put a special insert in your worship folders this morning. It looks like a check. And why don't you go ahead and pull that out now. Pull that out and grab yourself a pen or a pencil or something to write with. Take a look at this. Now remember that we're, if we've put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're, we're now permanent citizens of heaven. That means we get to write checks against the bank of heaven. And we write out our check to God. And the amount, it doesn't matter what the amount is. How large, how small, it doesn't matter. Because it's backed by the bank of heaven. We don't have to worry about not having sufficient funds. We don't have to worry about somebody co-signing with us because the Holy Spirit has already endorsed this check for us. The only thing that we have to worry about is what we're going to write in the memo line. That memo line is where we write what this check is for. What is it we're paying for? And in this case, what are you praying for? What is something that you have been holding back and praying for? What is is it that's been on your heart what thought can you not shake out of your mind? What is it that's been troubling you or gnawing at you? Maybe it's not negative. Maybe it's something stirring inside of you that's compelling you in a positive way. What's one thing that you, you know you ought to be praying for, but you've been too afraid? Or you've been too doubtful? Maybe you've been too ashamed to pray for it why don't you write it down on this check this morning? Write it down on that check and take that with you and let it serve this week for you as a reminder that you can pray for that knowing that you've got a powerful ally praying with you. You've got the Holy Spirit on your side that's automatically joining in with you anytime you bring anything to God. He's praying with you and he's praying for you. If you want, in a couple minutes as we how our offering time, you could actually write down anything that you are concerned about or need prayer for on your Blue Connection card. If you've got something that you want us to pray for, we would love to be able to join you in prayer and support you in prayer. But regardless, know that if you pray this week, if you pray today, if you pray ever, you can pray confidently knowing that the Holy Spirit has you covered. He's right there with you. And he's praying with you and he's praying for you. He's got your back. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for this word of encouragement this morning. We thank you for your word to us that tells us that if we we believe in you and we have chosen to follow you, then we have automatically become citizens of heaven. And we have citizenship that we can never lose. And you've prepared a wonderful, great future for us in heaven that makes anything in this life pale in comparison. But you just haven't left us here. You've given us yourself, even now, in the here and now, in this physical world, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for being right there with us you being our ally in prayer and praying with us and for us and always being with us. Lord, help us to be mindful of your presence and help us to leverage that this morning. Whatever struggles we may be going through, Lord, that we would bring them to you knowing that you're right there with us. We thank you for this. And in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.